everyone and welcome to the Paraphylite Society podcast. Today is a special episode to mark International Women's Day, Wednesday the 8th of March 2023. And he's focused on looking at women, art, women artists, art and activism in Manchester. So I'm one of the hosts of the podcast. My name is Hannah Squire and I'm delighted today to be joined by Elizabeth Crawford. Elizabeth is an independent researcher and writer who has written extensively about the women's suffrage movement, including books such as Millicent Garrett Fawcett, Selected Writings, most recently in 2022, Art and Suffrage, a biographical dictionary of suffrage artists in 2018, Campaigning for the Vote, Kate Parry Fry's Suffrage Diary in 2013, The Women's Suffrage Movement, a regional survey in 2006, the Women's Suffrage Movement, A Reference Guide, 1866 to 1928 in 1999, and Enterprising Women, The Garrets and Their Circle, 2002. I have to say, though, are incredible resources I myself have used often, groundbreaking works in the study of women's suffrage. Elizabeth Crawford was also awarded an OBE in the Queen's Birthday Honours in June 2018 for services to education, with particular reference to the history of the women's suffrage movement. In 2009-2011, she helped create the Elizabeth Garrett Anderson Gallery, generously funded by Unison, in what was the ground floor of the former Elizabeth Garrett Anderson Hospital, now part of the Unison Centre on Euston Road in London. A side note, I stumbled across this museum a few years ago when my train got cancelled at Euston train station, and it's a really delightful visit. So please, if you're in the area, do give it a go. It's fascinating. Elizabeth is also the owner of Women and Her Swear, a business specialising in selling antiquarian books, pamphlets, postcards and ephemera by and about women. And do check out her website, womenandhersphere.com. It's a really fantastic resource. Hello, Elizabeth. Hello, Hannah. Hi. So my first question with you, so beginning with two Manchester artists who in some way were inspired by paraphyllitism, Annie Swinnerton and Susan Isabel Dacri. Could you tell us who were they? How did they, how did they come to be involved in the artwork? What training did they receive? Yes, well, they were both uh, born in 1844 and both had very long lives, um, mm. dying in uh, 1933. And they were prolific artists, um, but they came from slightly different backgrounds. Annie, who was born Annie Robinson, was the eldest of seven daughters of mm. a Manchester man who had worked himself up from uh, quite a poor background to become a solicitor, but his uh, finances were precarious and um, they, the family was uh, quite penurious uh, for a lot of the time. And mm. in her youth, Annie um, and her sisters were both, uh, or three of them were very artistically inclined and Annie, uh, was uh, had to make money by selling watercolours. And it was only when she was in her 20s, uh, probably 24 or 26, that she actually was able for the first time to get a proper artistic training. And this was at the Manchester School of Art. And two of her mm. sisters, Emily and Julia, both uh, also attended there, but uh, Annie was particularly successful. She won a scholarship uh, for watercolours and a gold medal for oil painting. But even more importantly than uh, those uh, achievements, what uh, really uh, set her on her life's uh, path was meeting there this other woman, um, Susan Isabel Dacre, who was always known as Isabel. And Isabel had come, uh, uh, 
she'd had much more uh, adventurous life. She'd been born in Warwickshire, but in her youth uh, had lived in Paris and um, in her teenage years had worked there as a governess. And uh, then she'd lived in Italy and then back to Paris. And during the um, Franco-Prussian War, she had to leave and uh, they, she and her family had come back to Manchester and that how she ended up at the Manchester School of Art. And they obviously, Annie uh, Robinson and Isabel Dacre, obviously became very close friends and were very much of a similar mind and outlook on life. And after they'd um, qualified or finished their course at, in Manchester, um, they went to Rome. Now, this was obviously a real adventure for Annie, mm -hmm. but Isabel had obviously um, uh, pointed out the advantages of uh, such a, a, a training that they would get in Italy. So they, from about 1874 to 1876, they uh, lived and worked in Rome. And then they came back to um, Manchester for a, a time, but uh, um, quite soon after, um, they both went off to Paris to the Academy Julian, which was uh, very advanced uh, in that it actually allowed women um, students to uh, draw from the nude model, which wasn't allowed um, in the art schools, certainly not in Manchester. Mm. And uh, this was um, really the making of them. And um, I mean, the, the closeness of their friendship is really shown in a portrait of uh, Isabel Dacre that Annie Robinson did in uh, 1880. Um, it was shown at the Royal Academy. And I mean, I think it's an absolutely wonderful portrait. It's just a head mm. and shoulders, but it's yes. uh, real earthy and raw. Mm. And unlike uh, some of the other portraits um, that she was doing at the time, uh, it's inscribed Amunami, um, showing you know this friendship Mm. And it's now in the Manchester City Art Gallery. It was left uh, to them by uh, Isabel. And uh, it uh, really uh, demonstrates um, the closeness of the two. Mm. Yeah, thank you. That is an incredible portrait. Thank you for mentioning it. And also, Elizabeth, thank you for um, letting me know how you pronounce Isabel Dacre's second name. I've only ever seen it written down, so I was kind of hesitatingly saying it so thank you so you mentioned Annie's sisters Emily and Julia Robinson who were also artists and both Swinnerson and Dacre were involved in politics and feminist activism and knew the Garrett sisters Elizabeth Millicent and Agnes so how did these two artists become involved in the suffrage cause and could you tell us more about this network of women well this is an angle uh, on their lives on uh, Swinnerton's life particularly that really interests me because I first encountered it, well, I first encountered Swinnerton and Dacre back in the 1990s when I was working on my suffrage reference guide. Mm -hmm. So I knew them as suff artists who were interested in the suffrage movement. But when mm -hmm. I was doing my next book called Enterprising Women, The Garrets and Their Circle, I realized how closely connected Annie Swinnerton was uh, to uh, the, the Garrets. And I then worked out um, really interesting connection, the way that she had been introduced to them, I think, because in 1878, so in Manchester, she exhibited a full-length portrait of a woman called Mrs. Eason Wilkinson. Mm. And this was um, 
really the entree to the network. I mean, before the network had actually even really been established because the Wilkinsons um, were a quite an important family in Manchester. The, the father, Mrs. Easton Wilkinson's husband, was uh, the leading doctor in Manchester and had just been president of the British Medical Association. And they were a family of, um, well, they were quite a large family, but uh, daughters in particular. And um, they lived in Greenhays area of um, Manchester. And Easton Wilkinson had inherited money from his first wife who died uh, young. Um, and I now know um, that Annie painted portraits, not only of the mother. Now, the portrait of the mother, I have no idea where it is. I, I can't see any trace of it. But I have just found just in the last few months where some of these other portraits are. Now, there is wow. really interesting because one mm. of the uh, portraits is of uh, one of the daughters was called Fanny, Fanny Wilkinson, who has had... Um, I wrote about an enterprising women and ever mm. since then her reputation has really grown so much so that uh, this last summer in uh, uh, 2022, she had a blue plaque unveiled to her in Bloomsbury. In a, Wonderful. A she lived in. She was the first professional um, woman landscape gardener. I mean, she had trained as a professional. This was very much the ethos of the, uh, Garrett Circle, just as Annie was a professional artist, um, mm. so they uh, members of other members of the circle made sure that they had a professional training. So this portrait of Fanny, I think, must have been done uh, just about 1878, 1879. She's shown a very aesthetic uh, gown, rather. Um, she's holding and she's holding peacock feathers. I mean. Uh, sort of very pre-Raphaelite, I think, a very mm. silken gown. It, and um, there's also two portraits of one of her sisters, and that si sister eventually became a Garrett, marrying um, uh, the youngest brother of Millicent and Agnes and uh, Elizabeth. So they were family was connected not only by interest but also uh, by uh, marriage. And uh, then there's another one of two younger sisters. And I think they, these were all done in late 70s, early 80s. And they're actually still held by the family, a uh, branch of the family, and are in South Africa and were completely unknown um, over here until um, until the summer, last summer. And oh. I've been in touch with the owner and got a few photographs. So that was really interesting. Amazing. Because the Wilkinsons moved to uh, Bloomsbury and um, from uh, Manchester, then they had a um, large house um, outside York as well, and where Fanny, I think, first got her interest in landscape gardening. Then they moved to, to London to get training, and Louisa, one of the sisters who was painted by Annie, um, did um, attend art school in uh, in London and I think uh, that they that was when uh, they um, introduced Annie Swinnerton as she became to um, the Garretts I mean that's the connection I'm sure mm. and um, in fact uh, Annie Swinnerton did paint several members of the Garrett family I know that she painted a portrait of Agnes Garrett who was um, 
a professional interior designer um, in 1885. Um, this was at a house in uh, Rustington in Sussex, and she was visiting her. And I also know that in the same year in Manchester, uh, Annie Swinnerton exhibited a portrait. And it's just, I mean, I've just seen a reference to it in the you know, press report. I, mm -hmm. I don't know where the portrait is, but it was entitled Rhoda. And now Rhoda isn't a very common name, but um, no. uh, Rhoda Garrett was a cousin of the Garretts and she worked with Agnes Garrett in the interior design business until she died in 1882. So whether this portrait had been done in from life and was only exhibited in 1885 or mm. not, I don't know. Um, and Annie also, sometime later, um, <clears throat> painted a portrait of Louisa Garrett Anderson, who was the uh, daughter of Agnes's sister, Elizabeth Garrett Anderson. And I don't know where this portrait is now. I only know it exists because many years ago it was offered to the National Portrait Gallery, who mm. kept a photograph of it in their archive, but didn't accept the, oh, no. the portrait. So uh, it's disappeared again. <laughs> but uh, then the most important um, uh, portrait of um, the Garrets that Annie painted was of... Uh, uh, Millicent, Millicent, who became Millicent Garrett Fawcett and mm -hmm. leader of the women's suffrage uh, campaign, the constitutional campaign. Mm -hmm. And uh, that has survived rather more successfully. And um, I think it was probably painted about 1910, um, although it wasn't actually uh, acquired um, for the Tate until uh, 1930. Um, but it shows Millicent, who was probably then in her mid sixties, wearing her academic robes, because she had an honorary degree from St. Andrews University. And she's looking very cheerful and approachable and sitting in domestic surroundings. I mean, slightly oddly perhaps in her academic gown, but um, and it was, as I say, it was eventually acquired by the Tate um, at the, uh, at the uh, suggestion of John Singer Sargent, who was a great champion of Annie Swinnerton. Mm. And then back in the, um, about 2000, when I was doing the research for Enterprising Women, the portrait uh, was held in storage in the Tate. It was never uh, on display. It was in an outlying uh, uh, warehouse. I had to oh, go wow. to Kent Road to see it, and it was pulled mm -hmm. out of the racks just so <laughs> I could oh, have a look at it. And subsequently, it was um, shown in a out outpost in Wales. So again, mm -hmm. it was hardly, you know, in the centre mm -hmm. of, of attention. But, of course, in 2018, in the centenary of um, some women getting the vote when there was a, a great deal of celebration, it was brought back to London and uh, was put on uh, display at the Tate. And in fact, at this very moment, and I think till later in the year, there is a small uh, exhibition of work by Annie Swinnerton um, in a room at the Tate just devoted to her. And that, of course, the portrait is included there. Mm. Anyway, I mean, she, Annie Swinderton painted many other members of the expansive uh, Garrett Circle and the full details of all that uh, can be found in uh, my book, Enterprising Women. 
And all these women were um, closely involved with the advancement of women on all fronts. I mean, not just suffrage, but all kinds of professional development and education, of course. Mm. And um, Annie was uh, uh, involved to a degree in the suffrage movement. She signed major petitions that were um, uh, launched in 1889 and in 1897. But um, as we'll discover, she lived abroad for much of um, at this time, so she was unable to take a practical part. But Isabel Dacre certainly did, because between 1885 and 1895, Isabel Dacre was a member of the executive committee of the Manchester Society for Women's Suffrage. Mm. And uh, a real um, physical reality of this is that in 1886, she painted a portrait of uh, the Manchester leader of the suffrage um, society, uh, a woman called Lydia Becker. Mm. And um, this uh, was originally um, owned by the Manchester Society for Women's Suffrage, but uh, was eventually acquired by Manchester City Art Gallery. So it's there now. And it, it's interesting because Lydia Becker is usually uh, shown in, uh, in a caricature. I mean, I, she was mm. a very matter-of-fact, uh, solid, um, middle-aged uh, woman with glasses and her hair firmly pulled back. She was no-nonsense woman. I mean, she was very matter-of-fact and business-like. And um, Isabel Dacre uh, softens her appearance but takes nothing away from <clears throat> this forceful personality. I mean, the glasses are there and the hair is resolutely back in a bun, but she's given a rose um, as a corsage. Uh, um, I, I've heard this interpreted as being a nod to her interest in botany, but I think that's perhaps oh. a bit far-fetched. I think it was just, she was a woman who liked wearing a, a corsage, I think. And she was also got a lovely lace collar, it softens her, her face. So um, I, I, I thought that, uh, it was interesting because, as I say, usually all one ever sees is caricatures. I mean, she was in Punch mm. so often being uh, um, uh, depicted there. And although um, Annie Swinton hadn't taken uh, an active part in the 19th century uh, suffrage campaign, when she did return finally to England uh, in the, uh, after her husband died in 1910, um, she she was more slightly more involved. She uh, led um, a group of Chelsea artists in one of the major processions of the time. It was uh, uh, done in 1911, um, mm -hmm. it's called the Coronation Procession. So, and that was much uh, commented on in the press. I can't believe that about um, the take kind of having Annie Swinnerton's portrait of Millicent Garrett Fawcett just in its archives and stores, you know, the whole time, which well, I can believe it because I, you know, known the history of women artists, but it's just, it's a shame. I'm glad that it's now on show, but yeah. it's I actually have a, the, on my website, there's a, a, a blog that I did some years ago saying make mm. Millicent Fawcett visible. <laughs> yes. I was so incensed that um, 
Mrs. Pankhurst is in the National and Christabel are in the National Portrait Gallery mm -hmm. always on display. And I felt that Millicent was very hard done by. But of course, she has now come to the fore with her statue in Parliament Square and uh, her uh, portrait now on uh, permanent display. Yeah, it was. I, I was so lucky that I was growing growing up just near Whitted Manor. Obviously, they have the the charcoal portrait of Millicent Garrett, yes. her yeah. husband, that um, was done by Ford Maddox Brown. So I yeah. kind of saw that on a monthly basis and thought nothing of it. There's just a portrait of her there, but yeah, it's quite unique. But anyway, talking of um, galleries, then, so I wanted to ask you, the Manchester Academy of Fine Arts, which was originally um, set up in 1859. Um, from the start, both men and women could hypothetically be admitted to this academy. However, there were restrictions and reasons women weren't considered equal and were not therefore admitted as members. You've mentioned that Swinnerton travelled to, well, she did in Robinson at the time, travelled to France and studied in Paris at the more progressive Academy Julian. But could you talk about the kind of prejudice and discrimination faced by women wanting to become professional artists, specifically in the Manchester art world? Yes, well, in Manchester, as in London, art schools, as I mentioned, excluded women from live modelling classes, mm. uh, which is why uh, Swinnerton and uh, Robinson and Dacre sought their art training abroad. And mm. uh, women couldn't uh, um, exhibit at the uh, Manchester Academy. And of course, if you're an artist and you're unable to exhibit, how is anybody ever going to mm. know or see your work however we were you going to um, attract uh, buyers and grow your clientele mm. and Annie was an artist who was working to sell I mean she obviously pleased herself but uh, the idea was to sell and it was only in 1875 um, so um, just at the time that they Isabel and um, uh, uh, and Annie were ending the art school training that nine lady exhibitors were uh, elected to the Manchester Academy and mm. um, for the first time and Annie and Isabel um, were among um, those but this was just the time when they were uh, setting off uh, on their travels abroad so I, mm. I don't know that they then took advantage of it just then. Mm. And um, uh, Annie and Isabel um, then kind of proactively founded the Manchester Society of Women Painters. So could you tell us a bit more about that? What was the purpose of this society? Yes, well, I mean, weren't they practical? Uh, having uh, come up against obstacles, they uh, sought to uh, overcome them. So in 1879, they founded the Manchester Society of Women Painters um, to provide life classes for women artists in Manchester. and uh, the uh, the object of uh, the society as it was actually printed says firstly to provide facilities for the members working together and studying from life there being no course open for such advantages except by leaving Manchester so mm -hmm. they had uh, drawing and painting classes from quotes the living model on Wednesday and Friday afternoons and Isabel was president of the society, Annie was secretary, and Annie's sister, Emily, was treasurer. And mm. they held um, annual, or probably more, but certainly annual exhibitions of their work. Um, and uh, certainly in 1883, it was actually held in Isabel Dacre's studio in South King Street in uh, central Manchester. And mm. uh, 
after they'd held a, a number of uh, successful exhibitions, eventually the Manchester Academy of Fine Arts did allow women in. And in 1884, Annie became a full member of the Academy. And by 1891, Isabel Dacre was actually elected a member of the Academy's Hanging Committee. Now, that is an influential uh, uh, position <laughs> to have, to have it being there to select what was to be exhibited. And uh, all this time, the paintings of both Annie and Isabel were always very well reviewed in the press um, when they were hung in the Manchester Academy exhibitions. I mean, it's quite noticeable when reading through all the press reports, they were always uh, singled out mm. uh, being particularly good. Yeah, it's wonderful. Um, I didn't know that Dacre was kind of involved in the hanging committee. That's really wonderful that she actively took part in you know, cur curating that space. Yeah. Um, so from 1883, Dacre shared a studio in 10 King Street, Manchester, with the artist, female artist Mary Florence Monkhouse, which was the same year that Annie married sculptor Joseph Swinnerton. So could you tell us a bit more about these artistic kind of domestic partnerships? Yes, um, it's thought that Annie Robinson had known something of Joseph Swinnerton in the 1870s um, mm -hmm. while living in Manchester. He was a sculptor um, from the Isle of Man. And um, I mean, his mm -hmm. family were, his father and his brothers, many of them were involved with uh, stone masonry of one kind or another. And he mm -hmm. had lived in Manchester before uh, moving to Rome. Um, where he'd uh, worked for some time. And in fact, in 1882, Isabel Dacre exhibited a portrait of Joseph Swinnerton with the Manchester Society of Women Painters. So he was obviously mm. very well known to them. Mm. But it was in Rome that uh, obviously a relationship developed with Annie, which led to their marriage. They were married in 1883 in a, a church in Marlebin in London. Mm. And uh, as I mean, they had no children, but until um, Joseph's death, uh, he was he was only in his early 60s when he died in 1910. Their marriage mm. seems to have been very happy. Uh, they were devoted to their work. They lived most of the time in Rome, and, mm. but um, with visits back to London. And uh, they both um, were um, getting very well known and their work was commanding very respectable prices and they were really very comfortably off. Mm. And um, I'm particularly interested in uh, Annie's time in Rome, which has really been very little researched. I mean, it may be impossible really to find a great deal about it, but um, I go to, or have done, going, gone to Rome quite often because one of my daughters lives there. And I uh, have made <laughs> visits to um, the street where Annie uh, and Joseph lived. And mm. also, I was very intrigued to find that um, they both had studios uh, in the very heart of the Roman artistic quarter, which is um, uh, at the top of the Spanish steps. Um, mm. When we went to stay, go to stay in Rome, we often stay in a wonderful flat uh, owned by the Landmark Trust, which mm. is just above the Keats Shelley Museum. And so sitting in, in the sitting room, you look up to the, the top, uh, top of the steps. And I, I think now, is that Annie's studio up there? Think mm. of her. And of course, on the Spanish steps, that was the, 
in the 19th century, it was where all the artist models gathered of a morning to be chosen by the artists who were all uh, working in studios around uh -huh. the world. And so I think of uh, Annie going and choosing her her uh, Italian mother or her uh, mm. for Oleander or one of the others uh, um, or her Cupid or Psyche. Um, and uh, it, it all becomes very alive. But I doubt it that there's really, I mean, neither Annie nor um, Isabel left any uh, real uh, family papers or anything and mm -hmm. neither having children, there's uh, little family memory. Um, so we really have to piece together um, really their lives. But obviously, Annie loved Italy and the Italian way of life, and it's such mm. an influence in her colourful painting, um, particularly the Italian women and children. There's also mm. a very strong sculptural influence on their figures, which was presumably influenced by seeing Joseph, a uh, sculptor, at work daily. Mm. And um, But uh, as for Isabel, um, after mm. her troubles abroad, and then she spent some time in London, because obviously it was more lucrative, really, to have a mm. base in London than in Manchester. Um, but she had, uh, for a time, she shared uh, a studio um, with Annie. But I think Joseph, this is even before they were married, I think he worked around there as well. Um, <clears throat> but she returned to Manchester. And the censuses of 1891 and 1901 show living in and around Manchester, a series of addresses, but always with family members. Mm. And in 1901, uh, living uh, in the same house as a boarder was a young artist, Francis Dodd, I mean, a male Francis Dodd, who was boarding there. And um, by 1911, Isabel had moved uh, to London and was living with Francis Dodd in Blackheath. I mean, he was 30 years younger than, than her, but uh, mm. they were obviously close friends. And when she died 20 years later, he was the executor of her will. Mm. But in 1883, when uh, Annie was getting married, Isabel shared the studio in Central Manchester, as you mentioned, with Mary Florence Monkhouse, and she, who's always known as Florence, in fact. And she was a decade younger than Swinnerton and Dacre and had studied at the Manchester School of Art, but obviously long after they'd gone. And she mm. lived at home with her family for most of her life in and around Manchester. They were all part of, the family was part of the energetic, literary and artistic Manchester scene. Mm. And by 1882, Florence Monkhouse was an associate member of the Society of Women Artists, uh, as was another after young women, Jessie Kingsley, who appears as a visitor on Isabel Dacre's 1891 census. So they, they were a tight net, tight mm. committed group. And Monkhouse is, I mean, now one really never hears of her, but they were very well regarded at the time in uh, press reviews and Manchester exhibitions, especially at portraits. And one particularly one interested me because it's a portrait of a woman called Amy Bully who in the early 1870s had been one of the earliest students at both Girton and Newnham. She'd been at both. And she oh, wow. was one of the first two, first two women to sit the Cambridge tripos, although, of course, she didn't get a degree then. Mm. And she then come up to Manchester, become a teacher at Manchester High School for Girls, and was later involved with the women's department at Owens College, which later became Manchester University. Mm. And in this portrait that... Um, 
uh, Florence Monkhurst uh, did of her. She's painted wearing a fur robe as a sort of, and it looks like a sort of stand-in for an academic robe. And it's I've mm. seen this um, similar device um, before on a portrait of uh, Barbara Bodichon, who was a founder of Girton. The portrait was by another woman artist, um, Emily Osborne, and mm. she's shown with a similar drape drapery. You know, again looking like. Um, the academic robe, such as Millicent Fawcett quite rightly wears in her portrait. Anyway, that portrait is now in um, Newnham. So uh, I think uh, Florence Monkhouse was very interesting. She was elected a member of the uh, Manchester Academy in 1894, and she became one of the members of the Hanging Committee as well. And I, I also discovered that in 1904, she exhibited uh, at the Manchester Academy, a portrait of, it just says Annie. Now, whether that's Annie Swinnerton, or mm. I don't know, but it's intriguing. Yeah. One picks these things up from, you know, the press reviews. Mm. Um, but uh, later, by 1910, she seemed to have stopped painting portraits. And I really know really nothing about her life at all, except for this insight through the mm. connection with the, uh, Isabel Dacre and uh, the Manchester um, uh, Academy. Mm -hmm. 